Good evening. We're going to listen real quick to the Wisconsin Wisconsin Attorney General's press conference on Jacob Blake shooting, a shooting that went on that happened there Sunday night. And there's been a uprising ever since then. Today is Wednesday, the 26th, August 26th, at 5.49 p.m. Let's listen in. It's about 38 minutes, 32 seconds. We already... Missed the first 26, 26 seconds. Sorry about that. At this point, uh, because this is an ongoing investigation and some of the interviews of material witnesses have now been conducted, uh, so we now feel comfortable, consistent with the investigation, uh, to release this information. Um, we've sent out a press release uh, that contains the details. Um, but the basic facts uh, that we can report at this time are, are these. That on the evening of Sunday, August 23rd, 2020, uh, Kenosha Police Department officers were dispatched to a resident residence in the 2800 block of 40th Street after a female caller reported that her boyfriend was present and was not supposed to be on the premises. During the incident, officers attempted to arrest Jacob S. Blake, age 29, uh, law enforcement deployed a taser to attempt to stop Mr. Blake, uh, but the taser was not successful in stopping him. Mr. Blake walked around his vehicle, opened the driver's side door, and leaned forward. While holding on to Mr. Blake's shirt, Officer Rustin Shesky fired his service weapon seven times. Officer Shesky fired the weapon into Mr. Blake's back. No other officer fired their weapon. The Kenosha Police Department uh, does not have body cameras, and therefore the officers uh, were not wearing body cameras. Uh, the shooting officer, Kenosha Police Officer Rustin Shesky, has been a law enforcement officer with the Kenosha Police Department uh, for seven years. During the investigation following the initial incident, uh, Mr. Blake admitted that he had a knife in his possession, uh, and DCI agents, that's the Division of Criminal Investigation, uh, recovered a knife from the driver's side floorboard of Mr. Blake's vehicle. Uh, a search of the vehicle located no additional weapons. Uh, law enforcement immediately provided medical aid to Mr. Blake, uh, and Flight for Life transported him to Freighter Hospital in Milwaukee. Uh, Mr. Blake remains at the hospital. Uh, the Division of Criminal Investigation at the Wisconsin Department of Justice is leading this investigation, and it's being assisted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation Wisconsin State Patrol, and the Kenosha County Sheriff's Office. Uh, all involved law enforcement officers are fully cooperating with DCI during the investigation, uh, and the involved officers have been placed on administrative leave. Um, as I said, uh, this is an ongoing investigation, uh, so that is the extent of the information regarding the facts of this case uh, that we can share at this point. Uh, there have been uh, interviews conducted of material witnesses, uh, but the investigation uh, remains ongoing. Uh, under Wisconsin law, 
uh, in cases in which a person dies in a case in which an officer fired their weapon, uh, the law requires that an independent investigative agency be brought in to conduct the investigation. But in many other cases, uh, the Wisconsin Department of Justice is brought in to conduct an independent investigation as well, and that is what is happening in this case. Our agency is the independent investigating agency. Our job is to gather the evidence uh, as completely and thoroughly as possible and provide that evidence to the district attorney's office. I'm joined today by, uh, among others, DA uh, Mike Gravely. Um, their office then makes uh, the determination about uh, whether charges are filed. Uh, so that's the information I can provide right now about this case. Um, I also want to comment on the events yesterday evening in, in Kenosha. Um, what happened yesterday night in Kenosha was despicable. Uh, two people were shot and killed and a third person was shot and seriously injured. One of the things that we have seen in the last few nights is that there are a number of people, certainly some and quite possibly many of the people who've been involved in uh, destructive activity or violent activity who are not from the city of Kenosha and in, in some cases not from the state of Wisconsin. Um, this community has been through some extremely traumatic events in the last few days. The people of this community deserve to have the opportunity to grieve. They deserve to have the opportunity to come together, to protest peacefully, to call for the change that they would like to see, and ultimately to work to heal this community. People who are coming to the community to commit arson uh, or violence, uh, first of all, if they think they are serving some agenda, they are wrong. Um, all they are doing is creating chaos. Um, the people of, uh, who have been impacted, in particular the people of Kenosha, are the ones who should be leading the way uh, as people protest peacefully. Um, it is vital that we work to unify people. There has been a lot of division recently. It's easy for politicians to stoke division. But what we need to do is to come together as we work to strengthen our criminal justice system, as we work to call for justice in the system, and as we work to heal our communities. Uh, so with that, uh, I'm going to turn it over to District Attorney Gravely. Thank you, everybody. Um, so these are as difficult times as I've seen in Kenosha in the more than 30 years I've resided in this community. Uh, and it is a moment, uh, certainly uh, in our history, um, that um, brings up uh, some of the greatest issues of our time, right, of this moment of history. Uh, I have been so proud, as so many have, of the moment of history we're in in so many ways, that uh, there's been voices that have not always been enfranchised, who have had a chance to speak with new clarity and passion over the last several months, and uh, that has been, I think, inspirational to many people, and including those who are uh, asking and demanding reform in the criminal justice system. And it is a moment here in Kenosha today where uh, all uh, grieve for, um, for Jacob Blake and, and hope for his recovery. We grieve for his family. Uh, you didn't have to do more than see his mother and father express parents' rage and, and, uh, and grief at the moment that they are in, an emotional moment, and thinking about the 
uh, way that we think about our children and that we uh, want them safe and we uh, think uh, all the best of them in terms of uh, the kind of things that were said at the press conferences by the family. Uh, we have a community today that is literally uh, on fire, set on fire by the deep divisions uh, that have been fueled by a number of forces that are brought to bear in this case, right? Uh, systemic racism with its insidious history uh, in Kenosha and throughout the country uh, is certainly a part of all the big issues that are being considered. Uh, modern policing and the tremendous difficulties and challenges ahead to think about how to police in an ever-changing society and community with different expectations and uh, concerns about uh, how society's forces have affected our ability to police and our ability to police in a new and modern way. And then a world of social media that is, uh, has clearly emphasized um, immediate action over any ability to be calm or deliberate when making the most important decisions in life and has emphasized uh, uh, quick decision-making, immediacy, uh, and emotional uh, uh, impact instead of thinking about making uh, accurate decisions and uh, prioritizing that above all else. And so those forces are at work, and anybody who doesn't agree that those forces are at work, of course, um, is not really uh, seeing this moment as we are here today in front of all of you. All of that said, uh, I want to say that I endorse and applaud all of the methods of peaceful protest both about this case and about those bigger issues that we've discussed. You know, I, I think it is gratifying to see folks like the Milwaukee Bucks, for instance, say that what they know about this case and the bigger issues it reflects are things that they felt so strongly about that they uh, decided to make uh, a dramatic statement in terms of uh, boycotting play. Those kind of things are important and they add to the debate. Uh, and the only thing I ask is that we understand that the destruction of property and that the violence that has too often occurred in this community over the last couple days does a disservice to this moment in history and does a dramatic disservice to an ability for there to be a profound and complicated and absolutely necessary conversation. Okay, now I've said all that and I've tried to talk in broad strokes but I need to let you know specifically what the role of a prosecutor is in this particular moment in reviewing this case. So the statute in Wisconsin demands quite appropriately that an independent investigative agency do all of the investigative work in this case. And so the individuals who are, uh, who are uh, involved directly who fired the shot, uh, the particular police officer is a Kenosha Police Department officer. So the department that is investigating, as you know, is through the Department of Justice here in Wisconsin. So that is an agency that has no direct connection to the Kenosha Police Department, and they are conducting that investigation in full. When they complete that investigation, it's turned over, again, by statute, by law, to the local district attorney's office. And that will be our office. And we have, by law, a very narrow task 
in the enormity of the big issues I talked about. We are asked to review that independently garnered evidence, and we are asked, are there any crimes that a police officer has committed that can be proven to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt? So I need to let you know now and the community know that is the only question that the Kenosha District Attorney's Office will answer. All of the bigger issues that are so important will not be issues that will be absolute, that will not be definitively decided by Kenosha's District Attorney's Office. We will only decide whether any Kenosha police officer is going to be charged with a crime and that can only occur if we believe that that crime can be can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. So I hope that the public and expect and want the public to get that the best possible decision in that regard. And I believe the public deserves a decision that is based on reason and that is based on the most full and most accurate information that can be obtained. And so I hope all those who witnessed the events uh, that we have seen on video, all those persons present and who have information, I hope they fully cooperate in this investigation because that's the path to the truth. That's the path to real decision-making being able to occur in this case. And uh, I ask for as much patience uh, as our times allow because again, if we value accuracy and we value real decision-making over uh, a, a quick decision made in, an emotion, in the most emotional moment, then we have to facilitate a full and complete investigation. And I know that uh, the Department of Criminal Investigations, DCI, is doing all they can to accomplish that. Uh, I, it, and I, I want to be sure that the public has the maximum ability to be confident of this decision, and I've called on the U.S. Attorney's Office to conduct a parallel investigation. I've asked them to do the civil rights investigation that by law they are allowed to do and can do. I'm hoping it will happen at the same time. That gives the community a chance to heal quicker because independent prosecuting agencies, the U.S. Attorney's Office and the DA's Office, can both make independent decisions about whether crimes can be charged either in federal court or in state court. That means we don't have multiple decision points where there are new opportunities uh, for people to be disappointed or enraged or for there to be unrest uh, that is about uh, decisions that are being made. So I'm hoping our community can heal, and I'm calling on the U.S. Attorney's Office to do that. I want to thank the U.S. Attorney, Matt Krieger, and his office for being a, uh, for being a, a partner in this case in the sense of providing assistance at each time in terms of federal authorities uh, being uh, there for the, the Kenosha District Attorney's Office specifically, and certainly uh, Attorney General Josh Call and the DCI agency have been, uh, have been complete uh, in their use of resources and their ability to assist our local community. Uh, so I thank you all for being here. Uh, this is a, these are difficult times and these are difficult and momentous decisions. We're going to do the best job we possibly can, uh, and uh, we ask for your patience for the in best investigation to also take place. Thank you. Um, we are joined today by uh, some community leaders, uh, and two of them are going to be uh, speaking to you. Uh, so first, uh, Anthony Davis. 
Good evening, my name is Anthony Davis, local president of the NAACP here in Kenosha, and also a member of the uh, Wisconsin State Conference where we're being led by Wendell J. Harris. First of all, I'd like to give my thoughts and prayers to the family of Jacob Blake. They're going through a difficult time. And as it is said, you have to give a family time to deal with these situations. We know a lot of folks are trying to, to get to them each and every day. But in these times, give them some time to heal. We know that this incident came to Kenosha unexpectedly. And I just want to say, Kenosha is not a place where we see things like this every day. We need to come together. And I appreciate the state DA, Josh Call, and our local DA here in Kenosha coming to us and trying to share what they can at this time. The process we know is not going to be one that's going to be quick, but we know that we are part of the process here. And we ask, number one, have some patience. We also want everyone to understand we have to find a way to de-escalate what has been happening around here in our city. As I said, we, we are in the process of trying to mourn through this. But the path that has been taken by some individuals has not been appreciated. Let us have our say as a community. Let us be patient. And above all, let us keep God in the process. Thank you. All right, next up we have uh, James Hall. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm James Hall, the president and CEO of the Herb League Racing Kenosha. I'm taking it, <clears throat> this is very difficult for this community. First of all, I would like to say the Urban League Racing Kenosha sent our condolences to the um, two young men that lost their lives last night. And our thoughts and prayers are with um, Jacob Blake. We ask that the protesters that are protesting please respect and obey the curfew that's being enforced so no one else get hurt. Please respect the curfew that exist. Uh, protest peacefully, but when it's time for the curfew to be in effect, please respect that curfew. 
We can't lose this moment. Right now, Kenosha is emotional. Right now, the country is emotional. We cannot continue to meet force with force. Let the people be heard. Listen to the people. We don't need all this aggression from either side. Period. We must understand that black and brown folks are emotional people. Always have been. That's why we respect the sports that they play. Because they get the job done with internal emotions. But at the same time, we must understand that this eruption in this in, in, in our city is based on years and years and years of oppression. Years of oppression. What you see is a lot of pain, a lot of fear, and a lot of trauma. Both sides are scared of both sides because no one communicates to each other. We go to, we go to our subdivisions, we go to work, and we go to our subdivision, and we don't even engage anymore with each other. That has to change. The time is now for change. We need to improve our systems and our environments across the board. Let me repeat that. We need to, we need to improve all our systems across the board. Whether it's the school district, whether it's the police structure, I'm not going to even call it a system, I'm call it a structure. What is happening now? No one has an idea how to react because it's fear on both sides. Having armed people in our city, that's all right. We understand that. But those people with guns that are militia, that are engaging people, are not looking at, looking at them as people. They're looking at these individuals as I need to protect my property. Think about this. The property can be rebuilt. The lives cannot be rebuilt. Once a life is taken or destroyed, it cannot be given back. There's a possibility that this young man would never walk again. Think about that. Imagine your son, your daughter, your relative experiencing trauma every day, pain every day. Fear every single day. And this skin that I wear, and this skin that I wear, and I carry myself well, I go through it every day, every single time, every single time a car pull up behind me that's a law enforcement agency. So I want I would like to bring this front and center. If you lived your life in trauma every day. How would you react? How would you feel? What would you do? The time is now for change. 
Let the community heal. Let them be emotional. Let them express themselves. But at the same time, when the expression is over, let's not end the work. Let's work with the communities. Let's work with the people in the community to start changing. Change is now. If Kenosha can make this change, the entire country will follow. Thank you. Um, thank you to Mr. Hall. Thank you to Mr. Davis. Thank you to DA Gravely. Uh, and thank you to the others who have joined us here today. Um, and uh, with that, I want to open it up for questions. Attorney General, can you give us an update, one, on how far you are in the investigation? And secondly, just on the process itself, when you want to have an independent investigation, if you refer the potential charges back over to the district attorney in Kenosha County and not to be the purpose, sort of talk to me a little bit about that process when they want to work with the police officer on it. Yeah, so the, first of all, the investigation is moving quickly. Um, we have conducted interviews of uh, some of the material witnesses in this case, and that's part of the reason we are able to provide the information that we provided today. Um, but the investigation is still ongoing. Um, what is critical from our perspective is that uh, while we want to move as quickly as we can, that we do so consistently with a full and thorough investigation so that what comes at the end of this process is based on a full and thorough investigation. Uh, now, Wisconsin, uh, let me just finish the second part. Wisconsin law is set up so that uh, there's an independent investigating agency so that agencies don't investigate themselves. Uh, but under Wisconsin law, primary uh, prosecutorial authority is with the district attorney. As, as DA gravely mentioned, he has called for uh, an outside uh, prosecutorial review from uh, the, the federal level as well. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in that process. I can't speak to the details about precisely who was interviewed. What I can say is that uh, many of the material witness interviews have taken place, and that's why we can provide the information we are today. You mentioned that a knife was recovered, and Mr. Blankbetter admitted to having it. Was that knife ever observed by officers in that, you know, in that tussle? Uh, was he ever given commands to drop the knife? I can't provide any further information about those details. The information that we provided uh, is based on information that uh, we believe could be provided at this point uh, because it's clear evidence and because of the interviews that have taken place, we aren't concerned that it may impact subsequent interviews. I believe that the legislature, uh, first of all, I believe that agencies that are conducting uh, activities like uh, uh, tactical activities and patrol activities should have body cameras. The challenge that a lot of agencies face, as you mentioned, is the cost. And so I think our legislature needs to step up and make sure that agencies uh, have the funds they need to obtain uh, body cameras for their officers. It, it, Mr. Uh, Gravely, if he wanted to, could allow a special prosecutor to come in. That's a decision that his office could make. That happens sometimes when there are conflicts with district attorney's offices. But generally speaking, in Wisconsin, the primary prosecutorial authority is, is with the DA. Are you saying that Mr. Blake uh, is the boyfriend of the 
I was just describing uh, the information that we had, and so we can't comment on any further information related to that. You're not able to say, it, based on the release that you put out so far, not able to say what I'm saying is we, we are not going to be providing further information beyond what's been provided so far about the details. Did he have the knife at that initial incident with officers or did he have it later? Again, the information we've provided so far are straightforward facts that are, uh, we believe, going to be undisputed. And so we're, we're limiting the scope of what we're providing to that information. Well, first, I think that having an independent investigative agency is is a good policy, and I think, uh, you know, I I'm biased because I'm at DOJ, but I like to think that DCI is the preeminent law enforcement agency in the state of Wisconsin. I'm sure there are other agencies that would uh, dispute that, but having uh, top-notch investigators who handle a lot of these cases and uh, are expert in investigating them, I think, is a is a good process. The as the release stated, he acknowledged that he he had a knife in his possession at some point. How cognizant are you about the time that you are taking? We want to move as quickly as possible, uh, but we, we're going to do that consistent with maintaining the integrity uh, of this investigation. What's, what's critical is that justice is done in this case, and the best way to go about getting justice is to have a full and thorough and vigorous investigation. We're providing... We're providing the information that we can, but this is uh, also a case that is part of a legal process, and uh, there may be facts uh, as this case proceeds that are in dispute uh, or where it's not clear, and we're not going to be uh, providing answers to questions that may later be uh, the subject of dispute. We will be identifying uh, the other officers who are involved soon. We're going to continue providing information to the extent that we believe it's appropriate and consistent with protecting the integrity of the investigation. So uh, the information uh, regarding the other officers who were present will be provided, their, their identities. The I don't want to comment on the specifics regarding that officer. Um, what I certainly think it is important to emphasize is that there is an investigative process underway being conducted by an independent agency that is taking this investigation very seriously and that is committed to doing it thoroughly uh, and fully. And I ask that people allow that process to play out so that there is justice in this case. Uh, I can't comment on any facts beyond the scope of what we've talked about. Uh, to the extent that there's information in the public record, others can, can look to that. We provided some of the, the core information that, as I said, is essentially undisputed information. Our 
our, our investigators look into facts that the investigators on the ground determine are relevant to their investigation in assessing uh, what the totality of the relevant circumstances are and that they believe will be helpful to the DA in making the charging uh, decision in the case. And so I won't comment on the, the specifics of particular details, but that's the approach that they take. Uh, DA Gravely, uh, do you want to? I couldn't hear the question. Uh, the, the question was if you had any comment about the suspect from the shooting last night or. Um, I, I can simply tell you that uh, there will be some consideration of that case by the DA's office tomorrow. So um, the uh, individuals uh, in custody in Illinois and uh, the Kenosha District News Office will have to make some uh, determinations about at least preliminary decisions about uh, charges or holding him uh, by the end of the day tomorrow. I'm having trouble hearing you. So. One more question for you yeah. tied to uh, what I was asking the Attorney General before. Were you able to just give some background on what a typical relationship is between the Attorney's Office and the Police Department and why you feel that your office can make the right decision and whether to prosecute based on your well, of course, uh, we make decisions that are difficult decisions uh, every day about, uh, you know, sets of facts that uh, um, tie us. So I can tell you that our office has no sort of personal relationship with this officer. He's part of a, 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 a police force that is, you know, several dozen people. Um, and so there is no specific relationship with him that would be uh, there would be a close relationship. He's a patrol officer. He's not a detective who works intimately with us. Uh, he's not management where he would be at meetings with us in that way. So he's not a person who is, you know, has a specific relationship with us more than any other officer would. Uh, and really the legislature has uh, indicated that this is the appropriate way to proceed. Um, I think, you know, my guess is that the, the purpose there is that uh, the local district attorney is the individual who should be the one who has to carry the weight of these kind of difficult decisions. Uh, but uh, I'm aware that the public will have some of the concerns that you have expressed, and that's why I've asked the U.S. Attorney's Office, because they have absolutely no connection to this law enforcement officer. They're never going to have these officers for other cases. Um, I'm having them do an independent determination. That will be public. It will have no connection to my own, so there will be essentially a second opinion. Uh, that will be offered on slightly different laws but still important uh, opinion by a different prosecuting agency so that if there are people with that specific concern, we'll have dealt with that directly. Uh, we uh, prepared a warrant for him, so I'm not, I don't know the date of that warrant. So I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to try to add to the facts that have been uh, provided by DCI. I'm trying to respect the investigating agency and let let them be the ones who make decisions about what facts are uh, available to you in that regard. Attorney General, uh, on the Bucks, you had a conversation with the Bucks before they decided to boycott Game Five. Can you tell us what was. I, I had a conversation with them uh, briefly. I it was on my well. I was on the way here, and uh, the reception was spotty, frankly. So uh, we weren't able to have a, a lengthy conversation. But I had begun telling them just a little bit about how Wisconsin's process works. Um, I, I want to say I you know I I commend the Bucks and uh, now all NBA teams that uh, suspended their games today for stepping up and participating in the dialogue about these issues uh, and making their their voices known. 
Um, the Bucks have frankly done more to address these issues than Robin Voss or Scott Fitzgerald have done. And so I applaud them for, for stepping up and playing a leadership role in the debate. Can you elaborate more on what police were going to arrest Mr. Blake for? I, I can't provide any further information at this time. Will he end up being charged with anything? I, I can't, can't comment on uh, any other cases or charges either. Right now we're all looking at ways we can improve a lot of things both of us Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that we can do to improve. I mean, first of all, I think it's really critical that we talk about systemic racism and the impact that ha that has had on all sorts of different facets uh, of society. Um, we see in our criminal justice system here, as a lot of states do, Wisconsin has the highest rate of incarceration for black males of any state in the country. And to me, that is a clear evidence that we need to rethink the approach that we're taking with our criminal justice system as a whole. I spent part of my career as a voting rights lawyer, challenging laws that made it more difficult for people to vote and disproportionately for minority voters uh, to cast a ballot. Um, we have a lot of things about our system we can reform. At the Department of Justice, I am proud of a lot of the work that we do that I think is a force for good when it comes to addressing systemic racism. That includes having thorough and full investigations in cases involving officer-involved shootings. Uh, we have a missing and murdered Indigenous Women Task Force that we are working with Indigenous communities to lead. Uh, there are a number of other ways as well where uh, I'm proud of the work that we do, but uh, I've also asked employees at DOJ to think about what we can do better so that we are working to fight systemic racism. And at the state level, there are a number of policy changes that we can make. I've called for several, including uh, reforming our bail system, giving civil rights enforcement authority to our Department of Justice, having a hate crime hotline, passing legislation which is supported by law enforcement that would prohibit agencies from sealing disciplinary records when officers are separated uh, from their agencies. Um, there are a lot of steps we can be taking, and so I'm glad that the governor called a special session. Uh, I hope that it is taken seriously by the legislature and that they actually debate these issues that they hear from the citizens of Wisconsin rather than closing down debate so that we can make real progress. So one of the things that I think it's critical that we do is that we assess uh, the types of cases that are being brought. Uh, for example, uh, enforcing cases, uh, one of the things that I think is important in enforcement is to target large-scale criminal activity rather than lots of cases of low-level criminal activity. I think that's better for public safety because you get at the root of the problem and can dismantle a drug trafficking organization uh, or identify somebody who's committed a violent crime rather than having a, a number of low-level arrests. When it comes to enforcing laws that uh, impact people, um, there are a lot of cases involving, for example, uh, petty theft in Wisconsin, but there aren't nearly so many cases enforcing laws involving uh, wage theft or unsafe working conditions. Enforcing those laws uh, so that we have a level playing field and we don't have disparities in the types of crimes being enforced is one of the ways we can improve. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening.